situation. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Texas is the kicker. The kicker comes through. We're back. Welcome back to Fire Tom Herman, your overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast. Today we're talking about the past weekend's orange-white spring game and giving our thoughts about what went right and what went wrong, mostly wrong, in uh, the game. I'm Gordog, as joined, as joined as always by my co-host Tux. Uh, I had a wedding to attend this weekend, so I didn't really get the chance to watch it live, but I did get to watch it in its entirety just before we started recording, so hopefully it stays fresh in my mind. Looked like it was pretty breezy out there, to say the least. So, Tux, how, how are you doing? How was your weekend? What are your first thoughts about the game? Well, so I actually had to work this weekend, and yeah, I know, it kind of sucked, but I thought that, hey, I could at least, like, uh, monitor Twitter or something, see what the reactions were, and the reactions are just like, oh my god, we're gonna lose, oh, this is terrible, everybody sucks again. I mean, we're doomed, doomed. We're doomed. Bro, we lost the spring game. We lost to ourselves. Yeah. Um, so that that's just the kind of reactions I saw initially. And at first I was like, oh, God, how bad is this going to be? But uh, after I watched it and then rewatched it and then thought about the context, it, it didn't feel so bad. Like there's definitely stuff to work on, but that's with every team. But yeah, I, I, I agree. It's it seemed like everyone was a lot more negative in the moment than my reaction watching it today. Well, yeah. And that's why we're here. We're here to point out that you're being too reactionary yeah if they're overreacting and we're being reasonable uh by comparison i mean maybe we're not doomed i don't know it's it's hard to get a read on this thing yeah so that's why we're just gonna start talking about the game and um, then make our conclusions at the end right sure sure so the biggest negative we're just gonna start with the negative and then build into the positives the biggest negative that uh, I definitely saw was that the second team O-line, man. Uh, and this is kind of nitpicking because, A, Jermai, he's new to the center position. He's only been doing it for a couple months. We can't expect great level of play from him. And they're also facing what is a pretty good second team defensive line. So I, I think with context, that looks a little uh, better. But at the same time, the, you know, they were all over the place. It was just... It was iffy at best. Yeah, and and with that second team O line, offensive line is just one of those one of those units more than really any other unit I think, other than possibly going through the the specialists as far as like kicking a field goal with the long snapper holder and the actual kicker, uh, where you just need everyone to be on the same page. You could have five of the most individually talented guys on the planet and still have a shoddy O line if there's no chemistry. So. I mean, when you've got Tyler Johnson coming in as a redshirt freshman, been on campus and for a few weeks at most, um, and only been through 15 total practices with these guys, and you have, like you said, Jermai, who's still new to playing center and snapping the ball, it, it's hard to have developed that chemistry already to be a cohesive unit right off the bat for the spring game. Yeah, and the other thing I noticed was that they, they just did not get any help from the tight ends. You know, I praised... Andrew Beck last year as basically being a sixth offensive lineman because he was that good. He was able to block defensive ends and just, you know, he he, he was a tremendous help to whatever side of the line he was placed on. Um, 
we didn't see anything like that from the tight ends and that that's what concerns me the most is that um, you know none of the tight ends looked especially good they were dropping balls uh, they were maybe okay in blocking not, certainly not to the level Beck was and just it was terrible. Um, they couldn't create separation in the seam either, but Sam kept wanting to target them with uh, up the seam passes. It was a weird show for the tight ends. Yeah, and with that blocking, it is tough to get a read. Tom Herman talked about it uh, after the game, that they, they weren't really playing with a full playbook. You're obviously not trying to put things on film for other guys just for the purpose of entertaining the fans, really, with a spring game. Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot to pick up, not nearly as block blocking heavy um, as Andrew Beck. So maybe one of those guys like Cade Brewer, maybe they are better blockers than we got to see in that spring game. Uh, but they didn't get a whole lot of chances to show it off. But but with those drops, with their inability to create any separation, even when they had a physical advantage, I think really the, the main conclusion that I can really draw from all that, we have to fire Derek Wareheim. It has been too long since I've gotten to call for his head. And I feel like this is the perfect opportunity because the tight ends ultimately looked like dog shit in the, in in terms of the uh, receiving game. Even with the wind and everything playing havoc on where the ball was, they just had a ton of little mental mistakes that are not going to help us during the season. Hey, that's where we have uh, summer and fall practices, right? Yeah, we can get that right. And especially for guys, even not just the tight ends, but for like the offensive line, for Rafidi Hermai, for getting him right uh, and getting consistent with the snaps to where he's not spiking every other snap back in the shotgun to Casey Thompson. Uh, that's thankfully not something you need organized team activities to practice how to snap the ball to somebody. So yeah, that'll help. And your second team offensive line is more than likely not going to be in the game for extended periods. So that that's something else to consider that you should expect a huge drop off from the first to the second. You just have to find one or two guys that are capable enough and versatile enough to play different positions. Yeah, exactly. Those the, yeah, the second team O-line, you're right, will never come in as a full unit, but you do need those onesie twosie guys who are able to slot into the first team offensive line. Um, and I feel like we've got um, some confidence in that, especially once Parker Braun arrives on campus and he wasn't involved in any of the spring activities with the team um, as a grad transfer from Georgia Tech. But once he arrives, uh, that helps push... Okafor and Kerstetter around a little bit. Christian Jones, who is floating between first and second team offensive line. That instantly has a big improvement to help solidify who that first team O-line is going to be and make that second team O-line by extension look better because you've got these guys who are cross-trained well uh, with that top-level offensive line. Yeah, and uh, the next thing I kind of wanted to show was that the wide receivers themselves also had some drop issues. Um I can remember a few from Malcolm Epps, but I also wonder how much of the drops were just that the wind was creating terrible passes or inconsistent passes because, um, you know, even for Sam and Casey Thompson, their passes were all over the place and these wide receivers were having to contort themselves. Um, so I, it, that's one of those things where we're going to have to monitor and, and probably see into the first game Um are they going to have drop issues? And you could also see that Sam was trying to hit quick little throws. 
uh, to Malcolm Epps, um, you know, with these little drag routes across the middle of the field, or if he was in single coverage, you know, Sam would immediately target him like he was little Jordan Humphrey, but Malcolm Epps is not little Jordan Humphrey right now. And I think there was, there's going to be an adjustment period there. Yeah. And I don't know if I can somehow spin this to seem like it's a positive, but it, it did seem like the drops were a thing for everybody. It, the wide receivers, the tight ends, like we talked about, but also the running backs out of the backfield. Daniel Young had a few. I think Jordan Whittington had one or two. I think Kirk Johnson only really had one shot, but I think he was able to haul in his catch. Everyone was pretty unsteady. Um, so I, I feel like knowing Tom Herman and, and his staff's tendency to be pretty picky on those fine details, like being all just like the mental mistake of catching the actually staying focused to catch the ball. Um, I have a feeling that the wind was having a bit more to do with their everyone's drops uh, than we might be giving them credit for. Another issue that we had uh, was the turnovers. We had two interceptions thrown, one from Casey Thompson, one from uh, Sam Ellinger. But again, both of those, both of those, well, more Casey Thompsons uh, could be accredited to the wind. Uh, it was a downfield pass. Sam's was one that he tried to force uh, to Keontae Ingram. Um, who took a bad route on the play, uh, threw that one on a little dump off that got picked off and nearly returned for a touchdown by Jeffrey McCulloch. But that that was a little bit worrying just because throughout last season, that was one thing we were really good about was not turning the ball over. I'm going to disagree about that Casey Thompson pass because uh, if from my rewatch of the game, there was a defensive end right in his face and Casey had to kind of... Um, make a throw off base and you know not even like a regular arm motion he had to do something more vertical on the pass and uh, somewhere in there he lost the energy he lost the momentum so the ball just did not have as much power on it and then it just kind of floated so so for me that interception yes he he threw a bad pass but also he was forced into a bad pass by the defensive end who I think was Osai coming off the edge and pushing the tackle into Casey Thompson. So that that one is a little bit more forgiving. I, I'm okay with Casey having that interception. But the Sam dump-off pass, like, come on. He, he didn't even see that his man was covered uh, 100% by McCulloch. And I think that was just that was a terrible decision. Yeah, and I, I think that would be, I guess, if it wasn't so much the win with Casey Thompson's, I guess it would be the same thing there is. Um, and, and because it was a spring game, it might have been why he was a little more willing to sort of take a risk with that throw. But that's one of those things where you in game, you're, you're thinking, all right, just take the sack, live to play another down. Don't try and force something like that uh, where you don't have the room to step into it and really get power on the throw. So in that, it was sort of a more than questionable decision on Casey Thompson's part for his interception. But yeah, that for both of them, really, I guess. Uh, it, it was just that decision on those throws that was a little concerning. Yeah, so the other negative I wanted to talk about is, you know, we kind of joked last time that Kirk Johnson was healthy, and then he's injured again, and then he's healthy to play the, in the game, and it looked like he got hurt again. Yeah. I feel that, so that bad meme, for him. Like, memes are reality. Reality is nothing but memes, and Kirk Johnson being hurt seems like it's just going to be a never-ending one. But hey, if he can make it through this season only getting minor minor injuries and gets like five snaps per game without getting hurt, but plays in 10 of the 12 games, 
Um, I'm going to call that a win just based on his sort of career uh, and injury history at Texas. Oh, for sure. Uh, so with that, I think we're we're ready to move into some of the positives, right? Yeah, finally. definitely. I, I, yeah, finally. We'll, we'll be positive about this, talk about some things. And I think the, the real big one was we heard all spring practice how the offense was just beating up on the defense. It was raising all the alarms for everybody. Everyone was freaking out that we were not effectively replacing all those starters that we lost from last season's defense. Uh, but the defense played really well for as much as they could do in the game. They weren't allowed to really hit the quarterback unless your name is DeMarvion Overshone, uh, who decided he was allowed to hit the quarterback. But it, they they were able to step up in a big way. Uh, the wind obviously helped keep the uh, passing game under control, but they were still able to execute, get pressure on the quarterback when they had the opportunity to do so. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I was really encouraged by that, uh, especially like the secondary, man. They were just... Jalen Green was all over the place. Uh, there was there were some screen passes that Texas uh, was trying to pull off, and it, whether it was B.J. Foster or Demarvion Overshone or Chris Brown, like they diagnosed it immediately and were were blowing it up. I think that's a good sign to see, especially in such a pass happy conference that loves to do little screens so they can pick up yards all day our guys have always kind of had some pride in in shutting those down especially chris boyd and it's encouraging to see that the new generation of defensive backs are are picking that up yeah maintaining that philosophy of being able to prevent those horizontal passes is definitely seems like it's been paramount in that secondary room especially for the cornerbacks but yeah i mean i i was definitely impressed with jalen green you mentioned him already um, had a tough matchup against Malcolm Epps, um, who might be the biggest guy on, on our roster as far as being a, a receiver who's going to be out there on the edge, um, blowing up the sort of swing pass that went to uh, Jordan Whittington. I, I feel like there's a lot of promise there. Um, we, we came into this spring kind of feeling most confident in Anthony Cook. This spring game for me definitely made me feel like, okay, Jalen Green seems like he's clearly the other cornerback on the opposite side from Anthony Cook. And it makes me actually feel pretty good there's going to be growing pains with that especially once we get into big 12 play we start playing the oklahomas and oklahoma states uh of the world there will there'll be some growing pains with green and cook at least for now I, i'm feeling pretty good about where we stand for having two sophomores true sophomores who are going to be starting on the outsides there yeah and the next thing that i wanted to highlight was casey thompson um yeah i really think he might be capable going forward he was taking off when he should have he was making the correct decisions as far as passing goes uh and and that's all you want to see from from first year guys uh, are they making the right decisions and then the next year they can work on improving they can work on uh building up their accuracy they can work on building up their arm strength they can work on uh you know creating chemistry with their receivers but for now, all we wanted to see was, uh, is Casey making the right reads? And if he had to step in or when he had to step in, would he look okay? Could he got, could he get us a win against like Baylor that, that Shane Bouchel did? And I think for the most part, he looked fine. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, there, there are obviously still problems. He's still developing. Um, a redshirt freshman, especially for quarterbacks, that's kind of where you expect them to be. So it, it, I, I too, I was, I was impressed with what we could get out of it. Couldn't see a ton. He didn't get to show off like he did last year's spring game 
when him and Cameron Rising seemed like they were slinging it all over the field uh, just because the weather wasn't conducive to those sort of plays. But his his rushing, and especially for the stuff where it was off schedule, where he was having to pick up um, a snap off the ground um, or the pockets collapsing too quickly, it seemed like he had good instincts for when to pull the ball down and how to find the hole. And without being able to, without him getting hit, it was hard to tell how elusive he actually was as a runner. But when it did come through, he, he showed a lot of quickness. Definitely a different runner than Sam. A lot faster, a lot more um, fleet of foot there. But not the guy who's going to lower the shoulder like Sam and Roshan Johnson will. Um, the other the other area I was um, pretty impressed with was... Uh, we didn't Again, we didn't really get to see the full breadth of what he's capable of. Um, but with Jordan Whittington, obviously... We continue to hype him up. There, towards the end of the third quarter especially, it seemed like he finally got going, finally started finding some space. But we, we got some flashes of what can come. And we also saw how we're going to move him around all over the field. And really, all the running backs are going to be moved around all over the field. We saw Witt line up there all the way on, on the outside as almost a boundary receiver. It, it showed a lot of what we're going to get to expect to see on August 31st against Louisiana Tech uh, and later on throughout the season, um, how we're going to wield him. And we just his quickness, I mean, he outran Jamison on a vertical route he ran. Yeah, um, I don't quite know how exactly we're going to use Jordan Whittington, um, but it was encouraging to see. Like, there was that one play to Devin Duvernay where I think he went for, like, 20-something yards, and that play was set up because Whittington went across the... Uh, formation and lined up as a receiver and he created an instant mismatch and then Duvernay um, ran a little pick route and got underneath and created space and he was off you know th- those are the kind of uh, wrinkles that you want to see in this offense and I think these are the kind of wrinkles that guys like Le- Larry Fedora bring guys like maybe David Beatty will bring um, if and when they start getting involved so th- those are some very like air raid type things you know creating separation and getting uh your speedy guys uh in space with the ball in their hands and 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 i think that's a very encouraging sign for next year definitely and then the uh the last positive just for the defense did want to uh i mean we mentioned the linebackers kind of thin i thought uh obviously jeffrey mcculloch with that interception thought he looked as good as advertised, as we've heard throughout the spring, that he's really sort of the leader for those linebackers. And then I thought Adele Attaway was actually much better in coverage than I would have anticipated for a guy who's sort of in that um, SEC middle linebacker thumper sort of mold. Um, I thought he looked better covering tight ends and running backs than I was expecting. Yeah, and, um, you know, really, we really can't discuss the linebackers and somehow not mention Joseph Osai. He was he was all over uh, whatever quarterback he was rushing against, and I mean I can see him becoming a monster next year, and if not next year, then definitely the year after that. Like the the light bulb for him, I think turned on somewhere before the Georgia game. He's now continuing to do those good things. Yeah, we uh, I what was it? Just this week, ESPN put out an article talking about their top twenty-five teams or whatever, and breakout candidates for the top twenty-five teams. For Texas, they listed Keontae Ingram, which was kind of a head-scratcher, considering I don't think the starting running back for the Texas Longhorns would necessarily be under the radar uh, uh, to be a breakout candidate. 
Joseph Osai, I feel like definitely would have qualified. And from seeing this spring game, I now at this point, um, as is the spirit of this podcast overreacting, I'm going to be a little disappointed if he does not break out in a big way this year. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be in the face of a lot of quarterbacks. um, And by the end of the year, some unlucky team in bowl season is going to watch their quarterback get absolutely demolished play after play by Joseph Osai. Just like Georgia did. Yeah, yeah. Jake Fromm found out the hard way. He he got to be the first, basically. He had front row tickets, matinee show for the Joseph Osai coming out party. And the BJ Foster hit. Oh, yeah. I still think about yeah. that play. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was the greatest play that was not like, that, that didn't have an immediate result like it wasn't a sack and it didn't didn't force an interception but i think that was one of the most satisfying hits of the entire season but we're getting off topic now yeah and (laughs) one last thing that i wanted to mention is uh, i'm kind of encouraged by the play of the safeties because we have brandon jones out we have caden stearns out and you know those guys are going to be starting and probably going to be all conference level players but uh with them being out we had B.J. Foster out on the field. We had DeMarvion Overshone out on the field. We had uh, Chris Brown out on the field. And they all look capable. They all look more than good enough to to be starting at the University of Texas. I, I don't know how DeMarvion Overshone will be in coverage, but for the most part, he hits, and he hits hard, as Casey Thompson can uh, probably attest. But it, it's it's amazing that we have such a versatile backfield and I don't think I've ever quite seen that at the University of Texas. You have Stearns, who's extremely intelligent, knows where to be, and, you know, is able to pick off any ball. And then you have Brandon Jones, who's incredibly fast and, you know, also just a great asset to have in stopping the run. Same with B.J. Foster. DeMarvion Overshone is incredibly quick. Um, I don't think the football sense has quite gotten there to him yet, but he's so fast that he can make up for it. And then Chris Brown, he's he's veteran. He is kind of in the mix between um, Jones and Stearns, but he, he's smart. He also knows where to be, and it's just we are deep at the position. Yeah, this is definitely the best that the defensive backfield has looked at Texas, basically, since Earl Thomas uh, went, went and got drafted. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about for what what we've got lurking back there. Even when Brandon Jones is off the field, even when Caden Stearns is off the field, um, when you've got guys like Chris Brown who ultimately were, were recruited for depth, who are looking like they could challenge um, for real meaningful playing time at a lot of places, we're, we're in a good spot there to where we can definitely weather some injuries. And it, it, it goes to show why a lot of the uh, 995ers and insiders and really just guys who are on the Texas beat and Texas fans um, like Ian Boyd talks about it a lot. You can see where this um, push to kind of want to use a little bit more cutting edge of a defense and, and and not leaning on having two or three linebackers out there all the time for counting the B backer as a linebacker. You can, you can see where that desire to try and get all that athleticism onto the field at the same time comes from. Uh, when you watch our two, our two best safeties, are not on the field, and they don't look like they missed a beat at all by having overshone Brown and Foster basically play those roles. But I think the real biggest development for this past weekend was finally, after what seemed like forever, I mean, Game of Thrones is back. 
I, I think that's that's really the highlight of the weekend for me. Never mind Luda. Never mind the spring game. I was looking forward to Game of Thrones the most, and it's finally back. Yeah, um, that that's something that I actually did make it in time for. Like, I was home, I was off work, and it's like, yes, I'm finally going to be able to watch. And, you know, no spoilers, but it was, it was good. It was a good weekend. We got Texas football, and we had Game of Thrones. And what more can you ask for, really? I mean, other at this point, we've only got five more episodes of Game of Thrones to really treasure. Um, so, so it's going to get difficult here. So I got, I really got to enjoy his last few, um, even without the books to support him and really flesh everything out. I, I got to hold on because the only thing worse than sort of the, the, the bumps along in the road of trying to adapt a book that doesn't exist yet is knowing that there's nothing else after these next few weeks. So definitely going to enjoy that. But with all that in mind, what are your main takeaways from this weekend? Well, uh, I think right now, um, I'm okay with Casey Thompson being the backup. He he showed exactly what a backup should, right? He, he knows what to do, and um, he can obviously run the ball, so he can pick up some yards that way. And I also liked that we are basically looking to spread teams out this year. Uh, we are looking to put four wide receivers out there, and one of those four is probably going to be Malcolm Epps, and he's like... He's still kind of in the in, in the tweener mold, but that's fine because he can still be a good blocker maybe. So um, I'm liking that we're going for more quick passes. If Sam sees uh, Malcolm Epps in single coverage, he's looking to throw to him immediately, just like he did with Lil Jordan last year. So we're basically just trying to get the ball out uh, out of Sam's hands as quickly as possible. And he's also way more aggressive in some of the throws he was making or attempting Right, he was trying to throw to Andrew Beck up the seam. He was throwing for vertical routes. Um, you know, we actually saw a ton of diversity from what should be just a spring game exhibition, right? So I can, I think we can see where they're trying to transition the passing game towards, and uh, I think that's a welcome change after last year, where it was very ground and pound, very K State like, you know. Um, you just wanted to not make mistakes and beat your teams down and win, and, and, and then win that way. But now we're seeing that they're they're adding some new stuff. They're adding uh, these little rub routes all over the field. They're adding um, this complexity of sending the running backs out as extra receivers. It, it, it's crazy to see. Yeah, we've definitely opened up the offense quite a bit. I mean, we already mentioned this for the, the next takeaway. Jeffrey McCulloch, the Shark, um, as well as the safeties, uh, they're ready to play. A lot of us are that that definitely helps build a bit more confidence that the defense is not going to be as big a step back um, going into next season as we were worried about losing what's it seven or eight starters from that defense last year that was not as good as the one previous that only lost like three or four starters that that's that's definitely exciting a good good development there yeah and then the next thing I wanted to say is um, I was concerned a little bit about how are we going to be at defensive line? How are we going to be at uh, safety? Uh, how are we going to be in the secondary in general? But um, I saw enough promise to where if those guys are playing somewhere close to their best, then we're good enough. We're good enough to win any game. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the one of the interesting wrinkles, something that I really didn't even think about, we didn't definitely didn't talk about it going in, was 
Dicker the kicker, his development, and not just his development as, as far as being a kicker, but his development in the eyes of the coaches, what they're trusting him to do. We saw the coaches willing to send him out there for a lot longer field goals. Obviously, still a spring game. He has no no one rushing him or anything like that, so there's really no risk to trying it. Um, but they were definitely giving him longer field goals to attempt, much more NFL kick-like. Uh, I think they sent him out there for a 60-yarder with the wind behind him uh, to attempt, but he, he's definitely gained a lot more of uh, the coach's confidence and even last year when he came in he had a lot more of the confidence of the coaches than Rowland did in 2017 so uh, it's good to see us continuing to progress good to see Cameron Dicker getting better as a field goal kicker um, so that he'll hopefully be someone we can rely on for the next three years yeah for sure that being said uh, there is a ton of stuff to work on and just to kind of recap um, everybody needs to work on actually catching the ball. We might need another linebacker, maybe a grad transfer, because uh, I'm not quite sure how the depth is going to look if we're putting out walk-ons on the field. And and uh, we might also need uh, some sort of a replacement for Zach Shackelford later uh, down the line. I don't know uh, what Jeremiah is going to look like as he uh, continues to learn the position. But as of right now... Um, behind Shaq I, I don't quite know what the coaching staff is going to do yeah and I think the uh on the Longhorn Network so obviously you don't really know that you can trust anything that they're saying certainly not anything that comes out of Lowell Galindo's mouth but there was some discussion about whether or not Jermai actually would function as the second center or if he it, sort of the implication being that it was one of the guys one of the interior guys likely on that first team offensive line would just slot over whether that's Derek Kerstad or um, or someone else is cross-trained in that area they might actually be the second string guy but you're right it is still a question mark because we didn't see that in the game all we got was Shackelford um, and then Jermai uh, with all of his issues so there, there's still a lot to find out about this team over the summer um, and into fall practice especially once uh, we get those grad transfers that we already know about, any others that might be coming in, see what different, what a difference they can make on the team in just over fall practice. Well said. All right. Um, I think that brings us just the last section. We just kind of want to talk about it. We haven't gotten to talk about it too much other than when we first introduced it, but we are still running our top 25 plays of the 2018 season. Those highlights are going up on our Twitter. Um, every Saturday we're unveiling one more. We've gotten through six of them. So this weekend we'll make number 19. I think that'll be, what's that? On Yeah, 420, man. 420 Blaze It. We'll be posting number 19. But just wanted to go through. We're going to talk about each of the six. And I just wanted, like, basically a quick blurb from you, Tux. Just one or two sentences uh, about why you enjoyed the play. Um, and, yeah. So we'll start off. Number 25, Caden Stearns' tightrope interception against Baylor. What, did you, what was your favorite part about it? Oh, it was a clutch play. Um, and I love that he has that kind of body control and also like this sense of just where to go next we had number 24 sam ellinger finds joshua moore who lays out for the touchdown against usc uh, i really thought that that ball was going to be overthrown but josh moore um, really showed off his athleticism you know leaping to make that catch and then making sure he uh, came down with it um, just an incredible throw uh, where only his receiver could have gotten to it and even his receiver had to go to uh, quite the length to be able to pull it down definitely between that and what we've heard over spring practice can't wait to see joshua more this fall 
Number 23, Caden Stearns. He nearly scores after picking off Sean Robinson against TCU. Uh, if I remember correctly, this was the play where Caden uh, Stearns baits Sean Robinson into a pick. Uh, you know, Caden Stearns, sh- you know, showed that he was going to go out toward the boundary, but then instead he cut back inside as soon as he uh, saw Sean Robinson's eyes move towards the middle, and he cut off and picked off that ball and nearly returned it. It was amazing. All right, next two have a common thread. It's very subtle. Um, but I'm sure our listeners will pick up on it. Number 22, Sam Ellinger's first rushing touchdown against Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game at 16-yard rumble. Loved it. Um, you know, I, there's nothing I enjoy more than just, like, Sam deciding that he wants to, uh, to like, bulldoze some uh, OU defenders. And I, I don't know how, but I, I really just enjoy watching Sam out in the open field. He doesn't look fast. He doesn't look like he's going to... I guess take on some defensive ends, but he just he just like powers through. And he just keeps going, and I, I don't know how he does it. Number twenty one was Sam's first rushing touchdown against Oklahoma in the Red River Shootout. Uh, this one's just like I think like a nine yard run. Run. Oh yeah, I love all of them. They were so predictable. Everybody knew it was coming, and oh, you could not stop them. Yeah, that that one was definitely my favorite of all of his rushing touchdowns just because that's the one that he scored, the only one, I believe, that was going into the Oklahoma side of the field. And you could just see, like, there's a great picture of him that's the sidebar on Longhorn Nation, Uh, just the giant smile he has on his face walking into the end zone on that one. And then the last one we unveiled this past Saturday, uh, again, from the Red River shootout, Kyler Murray's fumble and Brecken Hager's recovery. Uh, after the defense gets pressure and causes Kyler Murray to apparently just like lose basic motor functions. Oh, I loved it. Um, yeah, that game was a was an instant classic, um, and probably one of the best games of the of the year. And for Kyler Murray to just kind of fumble the ball away, it was amazing and kind of reminiscent of that time that Jameis Winston just like I don't and like backward fell and then just like throws the ball up in the air for Oregon and pick off. You remember that play? I do. That that one that one is a memorable pose of James. Oh Wilson. yeah. And that's just that that is my image of Kyler Murray where he's just trying to run around and just decides to fumble. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God help the Arizona Cardinals if they actually take Kyler Murray with the number one pick because I feel like people are gonna find out that, that that is his real normal state. Um, him him dominating, I think, when he gets to the NFL, we're going to find out that that's, that's not really... Him just running over college defenses is not what you're going to be able to expect out of him in the NFL. But number 19 will be coming out this Saturday. Um, I looked at it earlier, but I already forgot what it was, so I can't even tease who it is. I feel like it was an offensive play, but knowing me, it's actually going to be Caden Stearns or something. Again, making his third appearance on the uh, on the list, but... Uh, That's a wrap on our spring practice series of episodes. Throughout this summer, we plan on releasing uh, one new episode each month. Um, That's going to be May, June, July. Once we get back into August, um, we're going to be sort of getting back into that regular grind um, with fall practice coming up. Um, But through the summer, we're probably going to do a little bit of uh, mailbag question episodes, um, otherwise miscellaneous discussion. Uh, So definitely subscribe if you're interested in hearing from us. Uh, also, hit us up on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at, at the FTH Podcast for the rest of our countdown of the top 20 top plays of 2018, as well as to keep up with all of our shit posting that we're doing on there because we've been doing a good job lately. 
and I feel like it's underappreciated. We're trying to push past 200 followers on there. A lot of good stuff. We're, we try our best to uh, start shit with some 995ers, so it's, it's kind of entertaining. Also, you can give us some feedback on there or on Reddit um, or any of the podcasting platforms that you might be listening on. Let us know how we're doing. Also, check out our website. You can ask us some questions, um, and we'll definitely be reminding you throughout the summer when we decide to do that mailbag episode how to get in contact with us and ask us some questions. But thank you guys so much for listening this far through an episode um, and sticking with us for this long. Welcome. Welcome. Okay.